0: How do I start this thing?
1: Have you plugged the bloody USB in?
0: Yeah, it's in.
1: Nah man, that's the wrong port. Oh wait, it's flashing now.
0: Is re- Oh wait, it's recording.
1: Well let's start this thing. Ooh.
0: Hello everyone, I'm Emilia.
1: Hi, I'm Sam. Welcome to Ask the Duo podcast, a podcast where we get deep into those late night unfiltered conversations.
0: We'll be discussing all things lifestyle, relationship, mindset and more.
1: Alright, let's get to it. Welcome Welcome back,
0: back, people. So we have a special one today. It's going to get a little deep, but we are talking about relationships and happily ever after. Um, With most of us growing up, we've watched movies like Disney, uh, rom-coms, like any typical love stories. And the perception is when you get into a love relationship, it's always a happily ever after. Well, that's the expectation anyway, right? Yep. Um, but it's not always the case in reality. Sometimes relationships don't work out and it might not be it's not always a bad thing. like there's a I feel like there's a negative connotation to it. like it's maybe, a
1: misconception, you, right? Mm. It's always like, oh, you know, when you get married, it's like that's it. you, you, you know you you're set. yeah, but reality is is everyone's different, relationships are always going to chop and change. so yeah, things may never be hundred percent.
0: Yeah, and even I think that from the traditional side of things, the perception is you need to stay in that marriage. Mm. But I think in this modern day and age, it's okay that you guys are different people and things don't work out.
1: Yeah, 100, 100%. Yeah,
0: so yeah. this is why we brought in a very special person, my friend from high school, Jazz. Hello, hello. So she's been through both a marriage and also a divorce, which we think would be really good for her to just share her story and just help other people who may be going through similar thoughts or similar experiences and just talk us through that. Sounds and good. Yeah. yeah. Get you to introduce yourself and let people know a bit about jazz.
2: Yeah, sounds good. So Jazz, I've actually known Amelia from high school, as she said. And I'm um, thirty one now and yeah, I've lived in Brisbane all my life, was born in New Zealand and um migrated to australia when i was five six and yeah pretty much australia is where i've really been born and you know raised all my life but um in terms of i guess the relationship and marriage part my marriage to the person who i was with that was my first ever relationship oh, yeah. and um i'd known him <clears throat> since uni days so we met when i was 18 years old and we pretty much jumped into a relationship Mm. one month after, like, knowing each other. Fresh. Fresh. And I always just thought that he'd be the one and only person in my life. Um, That was um, what was going into. You know, when we got married, you know, I thought this was the person who I was going to spend the rest of my life with. And I guess, sadly, that's not what it ended up being. And just the journey from... You know, getting into a relationship, um, getting married—it was really difficult. It was—it was an emotional roller coaster for mm. me. Yeah, and even for me,
0: when I knew you, because I didn't actually know know you in high school. We didn't really yeah. talk as much. Only like the last few years we started to talk a bit more. But yeah. as we were saying after podcast as well, you didn't really share too much about that relationship as well. Like it was no. more very conservative and that's all that. right. And with your cultural background, was that because it's like a cultural thing that it wasn't shared as much?
2: Yeah, so definitely um, a lot of the cultural aspect, aspect came into play. So, you know, jumping into a relationship at 18, I had told my parents almost immediately I hated hiding things from them. And my dad was always strict, even like just growing up. Um, I couldn't go to parties you know sleepovers were a no it was just very difficult for me growing up you know having that normal lifestyle that any other kid in high school would have Um, so I had I had to tell him because if I lied to him and he found out from somewhere else he'd be really angry so it was a difficult conversation. I told him that there was a guy that I met at uni. Um, you know, I'm seeing him. We both like each other. And he actually wanted to get to know the family straight away. Mm. His um, family? His family, yeah. yeah. Wow. And, you know, his conversation with me and my ex, like, throughout the seven years in dating was, you know, lay low, you know, don't do things public, Um, you know, we, we don't want this, um, going out in the Indian community. Um, it taints your image of you looking promiscuous. Um, it taints our image. And I get that. Like I, I, he's from a different generation and I wanted to be respectful. And if that's what he wanted, then, um, you know, I'd listen to him and I was happy to do it, but it just meant that we couldn't do the normal couple things that other people do, like go on a date you know, you go for dinner dates, go to the movies. Um, a lot of it was just a uh, sneaky hiding, um, even at uni. Like with a celebrity. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like it yeah. just, it felt a little stressful, that part, just doing all of that for seven years. was a Damn. long,
0: long yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And
2: it, it just really sucked that I couldn't tell people about it openly about my relationship. Like very close friends and even like um, family I just couldn't be open about it and and yeah like so in in uni if we'd go together to like classes you'd see some Indians maybe just like looking at us and we had an instance where you know one girl followed us <laughs> for like a kilometer <laughs> oh my god stalking what the yeah. hell yeah stalking but did you know this girl or no I knew her sort of yeah. like just through like another Glass person or something. Um, Yeah. And apparently, she went to the group of her friends and was like, "Oh, they're definitely dating." I, you know, you know, walked and followed them for like a kilometer. Paparazzi! It's (laughs) crazy. Yeah, yeah. And that made me feel really uncomfortable too. So,
0: in the Indian cultural like perspective, so you're not meant to show that you're dating, or is it that you need to get married to be able to date? Like, what's the
2: background? It's a tricky one. So. Like there are um, families that are really open and comfortable about like their kids dating. My dad wasn't like that. He was very conservative about that. He he thought that if we were open about a relationship, people would talk, and he didn't want that kind of negative, um, you know, talk coming back to him. Mm. It, it, for him, it's just sort of like a humiliation thing. Right. Um, you know, we we have to think about honor and you know our image. So it was. Just something that he was not comfortable if we went open and public about it.
0: Yeah. Interesting. But that's also really, really hard too. Oh,
2: yeah. Seven years. And I think that was one of the challenges when we were dating. And then the other one would have to be the long distance. We did do long distance for close to a year. So I was still studying and he decided to return to... Um, New South Wales, where his family is from, and just help out with the family business. So a lot of our communication was, you know, phone calls, video chat, and we just didn't see each other for that long. And that really strained the relationship. Yeah. I thought we could work through it, but, you know, he's in a different town, I'm here. And, yeah, that really strained the relationship to the point we were at breaking point. And yeah, there was just like a time where he went with his friends overseas for America to America for like three weeks and in that three weeks I hadn't been in contact with him wow. for two weeks and yeah, yeah, yeah. like my, my mind, was mind was just going crazy. Like, I what is he doing? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like what is he doing? Is he cheating on me? Why hasn't he contacted me? Is he okay? Is he safe? So I had momentarily broken up with him for I'd say maybe like one, two weeks. It was a very short break up. Like,
0: while he was over there?
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah while he was over yeah. there, and is that the
0: first time where he didn't talk to you for three weeks or is, has he done that before?
2: He's done that before <laughs> actually, yeah. So there was another trip he'd made to Europe and they went to Ibiza and I just didn't get much contact wow. from him when he was there. I mean, it's a party central place, so... I just didn't really know what to expect, you know, them going overseas and half of his friends are single already. Again, it just strains the relationship and makes me question, you know, whether this is worth it. Mm -hmm. So I had a few doubts and red flags already throughout just our dating and, you know, our relationship. But the cultural aspect really kind of – pressure on you so the idea that we're already in a relationship I've already told my dad I've vouched for this person um, they think he's a really nice boy they want it to make it work all of that also plays a part in you know having to stay with this person and I'm not trying to fault my parents on this but it plays a part because I have so, I had like low self-esteem and self-worth. So for me, I just thought this is as good as it's going to get, you know, um, this is what a relationship is supposed to look like. It's supposed to have ups and downs and no one's going to love me more than this person. So those were also thoughts that I had.
0: Yeah, and plus upholding the respect for your parents and the culture and all
1: that. Yeah. Like it's just
2: that's all right. that stuff coming in. All that in.
1: pressure, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
2: that combination of all of that made me realize that maybe I should just stay with him and get married. Like that's probably the best decision. And hopefully that party um, lifestyle will diminish when we get married you know he'd stop you know going out so much with the boys he'd you know stop going out and drinking and i just had that belief that he'd settle down and actually really commit to um the relationship in marriage Mm. yeah and i find that actually
0: is really common in a lot of relationships it's like It doesn't always have to be the female, but I feel like it's common in the female to think that, oh, the guy's gonna settle, or like if we do this, they're going to change, or if we have a kid together, they're gonna commit to the family and things like that. And I find that that's a really common thought. Yeah. For you to have to go through that, I think that's also a lot on you too.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah, it was just a lot of pressure, and when you're planning a wedding, you start to just start think about the party stuff, you know, celebrating, get everything ready for that. But you're not really dwelling on whether this is the right person at that stage. So I think maybe three months before the actual wedding day, you know, I sat down with my mom. I actually remember we went to a cafe and we. I sat down and I just started crying because I'm like, you know, there's things that he's wanting, like he wants to go back to New South Wales and live a life there in a small town. And I'm like, this is all new to me now. Like I, I can't, you know, just drop everything, my career, you know, my family here and move there with him. And I'm like, I don't know if this is something I want to do. I don't know if he's the right person. I'm already having doubts. I'm questioning whether this is, you know, right for me. And she just told me look you need to have a conversation with him about it and you know he's a really lovely boy he's Indian this is you know someone you spent uh, a long time with so it's not just anyone and he's someone you should be going to and having that conversation and we did have that conversation we talked about that it could be a possibility it's not something cement so that kind of cleared it up but that doubt never went away Mm. those that feeling of anxiousness and feeling insecure had always stayed throughout like my dating life and my marriage life and to me I always thought that was normal Mm. like I thought that's supposed to be in a relationship you're supposed to feel like this I yeah it's definitely not is that
0: because you've never had a relationship so you didn't know what to expect and
2: you felt like that's What would happen? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think that and just a combination of. I feel like I have like an anxious attachment style. So, you know, I have that feeling of a fear of being abandoned. I have that feeling of low self esteem and that no one's going to love me better. So, all of that also plays a part. Mm. And I never really realized that that's probably the reason why I'm choosing to stay and that there's, you know, a hidden uh, reason. Instead, I'm just accepting it for what it is yeah. and that this is normal. And it doesn't help not. if the
0: other person wasn't really communicating either, or like, exactly, like giving yeah. you the love that you need.
2: Yeah. 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 And, like, and like, I just think that it's normal, like, if there is a relationship where one person is a party person and one is a homebody and that works, that's great. But that's something that i had a lot of difficulty and struggle with in the marriage i
0: think it can work as long as the other person's like hey i'm gonna come home late tonight or like hey i'm staying out for a drink but if someone just goes cold go out and just doesn't come back till five o'clock or whatever time it is and say nothing and do that on a regular occasion then that's kind of a red flag to me but if they're like this week i've got a dinner with colleagues, or like we're having yeah. a Christmas dinner with blah blah blah. Like it's communicated, and you have yeah. set that expectation. Yeah. And if one person's like a homebody and someone's very extroverted, that can work. But if yeah. someone's just like, "No, nah, I'm doing my own thing. See you later," and then come yeah. back at five o'clock, is like, what the hell happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but
1: there's got to be a fine balance too. Yeah. Like yeah. both parties need to be in the same page when it comes mm. to, like, working together. Yeah. And I think, like, communication added to that is obviously really important, but you need to spend that time with your significant half if yeah. you know that you're going out all the time. you
0: got to compromise yeah. some
1: way. Yeah, you got to compromise yeah. in some way or form. Like, you can't just keep partying mm. fucking
0: and be yeah. like hey this these next two weeks i'm going to go out uh, with my friends but the week after let's go and you know do camping or let's go watch a movie or something yeah. like that where it's like showing you that they still think of you yeah,
2: yeah. And, and i think that a lot of that was lacking in our marriage i think that we jumped into a marriage quite young and i was naive and we didn't really talk about those things. We didn't have those open um, discussions and have that communication about being transparent about what we're doing. We didn't compromise or come to a middle point. And I think all of that could easily be seen in the first year of our marriage, where I wasn't happy with how his lifestyle was and my lifestyle was, and we weren't coming to we weren't merging our lifestyles to a point where we both understand what. We want and what we don't want. So, like when I did get married to him, it was the first time living with him because in Indian culture, the girl lives with their parents. Um, that's just the culture. And then they're expected to live with their husband after marriage. So, um, the first few months was just understanding our lifestyle and our living habits. But after that, you know, the, the parting and going out was just something that was very common like I'd see it every weekend he'd be out drinking with the boys and doing his own thing and I'm a homebody and I like staying at home I don't really want to spend my money on all of that stuff I'd rather just stay at home and save that and there was just no balance there then the weekends became sort of like some days during the week and you know I'm going out for a social event with work and coming back at like 11:30 or 3:30 in the morning and it just became so common to the point where I'd hardly see him and we were room- it just felt like roommates yeah. yeah, then actually a married couple exactly yeah. yeah so i got i guess pretty lonely maybe after 6 Maybe even for after five months wow. in the marriage, yeah. I felt, I felt very lonely. I felt very upset, and I just didn't really pin it down to it being because of us being married. I just thought it was be- the stress of work and using that as an excuse. Mm. So I'd stay at work deliberately. It's a government job, so usually you you wrap up around five six. That's that's the norm, but. I was working from, like, 7 in the morning till, like, 7 p.m. sometimes. Yeah. And even my boss was like, you need to stop doing that. Yeah. And I'm like, I just want to stay. I don't mind just putting the wrong hours in. Just can I stay back? Like, your body was in a bit of denial and you didn't want to accept that there's something wrong outside of that. I think so, yeah. yeah. I think deep down I knew what it was, but I didn't want to accept it. And... When I'd come home, I'd just go for a long walk, sometimes for two hours, Mm, sometimes for a long walk. (laughs) walk. Mm. Yeah, and I'd just cry. I'd just cry for those. Like, yeah, I'd sit out by the river and sometimes I'd just sit there for like an hour and I would cry and I wouldn't know why. And I just felt like I was depressed. So I reached out for help. Um, I, you know, sought out a therapist and. You know, I talked about how I was feeling, what was going through in my life and what my living arrangements were with my ex-husband at the time. So she immediately knew what exactly it was. And she kind of, I guess, revealed in a very comfortable and easy way that maybe it's your marriage that's, you know, you're not happy about. And these were the reasons why. And... I mean, I knew deep down it was that, but having somebody else tell me that just kind of, I guess, confirmed yeah. that yeah. feeling that it's, it's my marriage and I'm not happy. And she told me that, look, you have no kids. You don't have a mortgage. You need to sit down with your husband and tell him that you're not happy and that possibly divorce is something that you need to consider. And she said that you need to just rip off the bandit and just do it. And, you know, it took maybe three days before I actually had that conversation with my husband or ex-husband now. And I just sat him down and I said, look, I'm really unhappy and I just don't know if I can do this anymore. And I'm leaning towards ending this marriage. It was not taken well at all. It was not well received. Um, How did he take it? He, I guess a part of him stonewalled me and the other half put the fault back on me. Wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, well, you don't do this around the house and you don't come out with me to social events and you always just want to stay at home and you're always sad and you need to exercise more if you feel sad and that's probably why you... That's yeah so trying to make
1: you guilty like feel guilty yeah, yeah. Um, manipulation in a way yeah. too
2: like yeah manipulating
0: yeah. your thoughts and your feelings yeah. And, yeah and my
2: therapist brought that up too that it just feels like he's manipulating your thoughts and he just i guess he walked out he stormed out <laughs> and, and just i sat there and i was kind of like well oh, maybe it is my fault You know, I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that and maybe I should take accountability for my own actions. So, I thought, you know, maybe I shouldn't try to make this work and I was just really upset at that time. Mm. And he, that, I think it was that night, it was two days later, we had a fight and he had gone out all night. I didn't hear from him. I had to actually call up his parents and be like, I don't know know where he is. I don't know what to do. Can you please give him a call because he's not answering my phone. Yeah, Yeah. and he ended up coming back at four, and it was a side to me that I had actually never seen. It was, like, a side where I was crying and I was screaming, and it was, like, all of this pent-up energy that I, like, had for 10 months, Mm -hmm. and it just all came out, and he just stood there, and he's just, like, I'm, like, please, can you I'm closing the door on you. I don't want to see you cuz I'm really upset mm. and he wouldn't let me close the door. Yeah. And he just stood there and I just started screaming and I'm like, "Please." like
0: oh and
2: God. I just ended up closing the door and he just had no expression on his face and like he didn't even care at yeah. all. He didn't care wow. at all. Like he had no empathy. He showed just there was no no emotion on his face. Mm. And um the next day after work I started packing my bag yep. and I was like I'm just gonna go to my mom and dad's." Wow, mm. that's and that's when he stopped me and he's like I'm sorry and I just don't know how else to care for you and you know I'll do better and we had a Vietnam trip um, lined up like a month um, from then so he's like let's try to make it work while we're in, on a holiday and I tried I'm like you know I, I went in openly and you know in the back of my head I was just like I'm still having doubts I'm still feeling really upset I'm still feeling the way I'm feeling and still nothing had changed he still had that you know that party lifestyle continuing and yeah I think the next step after that was I thought if we bought a house maybe that would help with him committing more and that's how I felt when you know, getting married that if we got married he'd settle down, he'd compromise. He didn't. We bought the house thinking that all right, he's gonna commit, he's but Mm, he was out every every weekend he was out. He didn't change, no. Yeah.
0: I think unless you really go through to the root of the problem no matter what you do outside of that, it'll be hard to change the relationship because you have to actually face the problem itself before you yeah. can even get other things to try and fix it. Like, going on the holidays is, yeah, you'll have a fun time, but the problem's still there. Still on the back. Yeah. yeah.
1: You're not tackling the issue head on because mm. obviously you'll be in denial stage initially, but it's accepting the issue after that, and that's the hard part to get to Yeah, it's facing those problems, right? Mm. So Yeah. I think that it seemed like he was avoiding everything,
2: yeah, yeah. because
1: he was in denial at the same time. Yeah, he—he yeah. he, it seemed like he obviously knew that there was problems, but he just didn't want to face it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and
2: he just yeah that's the problem. He just kept sweeping it under the rug, and I mean I'm at fault too in that I could have communicated a bit more openly, and I could have. S- open these conversations earlier like as soon as i saw it instead of just bottling it up inside i should have been having those conversations with them yeah, yeah. so that's Sorry. where i could have probably done better yeah. no i'm the same too like sometimes because you want to make
0: sure that you're not just being irrational and be like you yeah it's wrong you want to think about it but then sometimes you think about it for too long or you self-doubt your own thoughts that you bottle up and then it kind of just goes over for a long time then you're like I should have said something about this yeah yeah so I'm exactly the same
2: Oh, yeah. And it's it's not an easy conversation. Like oh, yeah. sometimes you just don't want to hurt the other person. Yeah. And you don't expect how they're going to feel is, um, you know, the reaction you're expecting. So for me, I'm not a confrontational person. Mm-hmm. It's not easy for me to have those conversations. I would probably rather try to fix it without having to have that conversation. And the reality is you can't do you that. Can't, you yeah. Can't. You yeah. need to
0: have these. Like it might be a bit confronting, but it's better to be straightforward than to do things and walk around. Beat the, around like the be, bush. Beat around the bush. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then the other person may not receive the same message that you're trying to show them.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah that is a, a really important thing to, to highlight, right? It's just in any relationship, communication's got to be there 100%. Because, you know I mean, like without communicating, I can't read what you're feeling just by looking at your face. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you, you have to tell that person how you're feeling at that point in time and vice versa.
0: And especially because you guys lived apart, you guys had long distance, so you weren't living together. All that is a learning curve. And then suddenly living together and still didn't build that communication yeah. from ground up, that's yeah. really difficult. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's like a fresh relationship basically. Living yeah. together, like and, – and I think adding to the fact that, that you know, the culture of trying to be secretive and
2: – Yeah, you, can't go on a Yeah, date. you
1: guys couldn't develop your relationship. Yeah. No. So, yeah. yeah, everything was combined together, that sort of – yourself for life, guys. Uh, but, yeah, like those things combined it, it added to the result. Yeah. yeah. So –
0: But I wanted to also know a little bit more about the cultural side of things. When you had to go through a divorce, were there any cultural pressures? Because I know in Asian culture in general, just getting married and then the divorce, like what we were saying at the start, that it has a very negative side. Like people would view that you failed in marriage and all that kind of stuff. Was that any of those
2: pressure? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, Very, very similar, if not the same. With divorce, I think it's changing though, but the impression is that it's a taboo, you know, it's, it's a stigma attached to you. You're labeled and identified as the divorcee. Mm. Yeah, And for me, that was also one of the reasons what made it difficult to get the divorce. I didn't want to make anyone unhappy. I didn't want to hurt my family. I didn't want to hurt his family. Mm. And that's actually one of the reasons what prolonged, you know, me deciding to finally, you know, leave the marriage. When I had to tell my parents about the divorce and that I've separated from my ex, it was probably one of the most difficult conversations I've ever had. Yeah. Simply because... I just didn't want to break their hearts. And just the look on their face, you could just see how much hurt they had. I can feel that. I can just
0: imagine what that would be like because I would be like the same, like the parents is looking either disappointed or be like, you know, how am I going to go out now? Like the community is going
2: to look at you.
0: It's all about the face. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. right. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: And I think it was more of a shock for them because I never really spoke about my marriage really to them or anyone like i'd never told them what was happening you know inside and how unhappy i was so for them it was really foreign and new to them that i was feeling like this and that i wanted to leave and they thought that it was an irrational, impulsive decision—something that was just me upset about something and an overnight decision. When it was something that I've been thinking about for years. Because
0: you even questioned it before the three months before you got married. You were oh, talking to your mom, so that was something that was an ongoing thing. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah absolutely. And they just thought that, like, look, they, they seem happy. She's always smiling when he, she's um, at the house when I come visit my parents' um, place, but. They never really suspected it to be this bad. I did make the comment one time that I feel like we're roommates then actually a married couple and that kind of concerned my dad, but he never really considered it to be um, so bad to the point that I wanted a divorce. So um, they really encouraged me to do marriage counseling with my ex And I just refused to do it. I didn't want to do it because at that point I was like, there's no point. Um, I've already made a decision. He's not really working things out. And he's only now trying to make effort because his parents have, you know, involved themselves. And they just continued on with just, you know, give it a go just at least once, you know, and you can't come home until you've sorted it out. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, they don't know what happened. I didn't tell them every single detail in our marriage of what happened. And so I did the marriage counseling. Like I went into that session and when the therapist asked, you know, where do you see yourself with this marriage? I said, look, I'm ready to get a divorce. I'm not willing to different one. Yeah. This was one that he uh, made an appointment with. So I just ran along with it and I just flat out said, I I don't trust him. I'm not happy. I can no longer be in a marriage with this person. And look, it really hurt for him. You could just tell from his face, he didn't like hearing any of that. He looked really upset and it was really difficult for him to hear what I was saying. And I think that's when he realized. Was that the first time that he heard that straightforwardness from you? Yes. And I don't think he was expecting any of that. And the therapist just straight up said that there's no point continuing on with this session because if one person's already at this point, they're not coming
1: back. Yeah, you can't save them. They already <laughs> yeah. made a decision. Because as- you've
2: already
0: decided and it would have been a thing that you've thought about for such a long time too.
1: Yeah,
2: and she knew it. She, that therapist knew it. She's like, there's no point, continuing on. And she's like, it's up to you if you want to pay for the session or not. Um, but, you know, I really don't know what else to talk to wow.
0: you guys about. Yeah. Yeah. Damn.
1: But I think it's
0: really good that you actually, like not the marriage council, but you even sought out a counsellor or therapist when you were feeling down. I think that's really good because not a lot of people would actually think of that. They just think something's wrong or like they just sleep under the rug or just continue on. Whereas you were feeling a certain way and you didn't know how you were feeling or why you were feeling that, but at least you went to seek out help. Because I think another stigma is that seeing a therapist is a bad thing. Like you're crazy or like something's wrong with you, but it's not the case. Like if there's something wrong, these people are professional people who can talk through your feelings. So I think it's really good that you did that.
2: Oh, absolutely. And I'm so glad I did because had I not seen her, she would not have put to light that the issue is your marriage. This is what's causing you sadness. This is what's causing you to feel depressed. And yeah, I'm just really glad that I sought out a therapist then. And even um, during my separation, I had a therapist for, I'd say, a year. Yeah, it wasn't a very good healing process for me. So, So having that therapist there and just, you know, decluttering my thoughts and my mind and how I'm feeling and having someone to just verify how I'm feeling and what, you know, techniques I need to get through it. Really helped a lot. And they're truly listen because it feels like for the past
0: even 10 years or however long, like seven to eight years, you didn't have someone to actually listen to you. No. So yeah. I think that was really good for you to have someone there to validate your thoughts and listen yeah. and not judge you at all for anything. Yes, yes.
1: Yeah, that's seven years of bottling up yeah. relationship problems, you know what I mean? Like just the things that you're going through.
2: Yeah. And to have and someone
1: sit there and actually listen to you. But not just that, but identify, like you said, certain strategies that you can take on to help you improve or to release that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah.
0: And even because you couldn't talk to your parents about it, so you would have gone through it alone a, for a long time. Yeah, and
1: keeping it a secret too, Yeah. Man. Yeah.
0: Like everything. So you're just like having all these things piling up behind you and
2: inside and just... Doing
1: it alone, yeah. that's the... The hardest hardest part. part. Like,
2: I virtually told no one about the inside of, like, our marriage and all I Mm. was experiencing. And I think that if I had just told one friend or one family member, they would have just told me to leave. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 100%. Even fucking hearing it, I'm just like, dude, get the fuck out of (laughs) here. Like, straight (laughs) up. It's a big (laughs) no-no. Yeah. Yeah. Would
0: you say that finding that therapist during your breakup or your divorce, that's how you – found yourself again or
2: I think that the therapist is there to give you you know help and support and tell you you know techniques to cope with it but at the end of the day it really comes down to you so when I got separated I immediately started you know seeking out help with the therapist but I didn't start the healing process until maybe maybe 2020, late 2020, so I separated in 2019. I didn't start the healing process until 2020, late. And the reason being is I felt very numb throughout the whole process. I felt very indifferent at times, and I started to take on destructive behavior, so just excessive drinking. I'd go out just so that I could shut my thoughts, not think about... whole marriage the the failure that I I felt like I was a failure the whole time I actually really hated myself and I even told my parents that like I I hate myself and I feel like a failure and it was gut-wrenching just to see their faces and how I felt yeah Mm -hmm. that's really sad for anyone to feel that way yeah yeah like so one year of that I jumped into dating really quickly Um, thinking that that's probably a quick solve so I did traveling the traveling was nice like it, it helped me explore myself but that doesn't mean that you're gonna heal from it it's just something that's gonna help you find yourself better but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's gonna help with the healing and then I just finally got to a point which was at the end of 2020 where I'm like I can't solve this from excessive drinking. I can't solve this from going out. I can't solve this with, you know, spending as much time as I can with family and friends or going, traveling. I need to actually sit down with myself, with my thoughts and feel what I feel. Yeah. Mm. And journaling hel- helped a lot with that. And I even just sought out like a self-love workshop yeah. to cool. help me understand myself better and why I feel what i feel and that's when i truly accepted what it was and that it's no one's fault and that's when i really truly started to value myself and love myself yeah that's when i was finally at peace with the whole Um, marriage breakdown and that it is what it is yeah so when you say that it took you a year after
0: talking to a therapist to start the healing process what's the healing process is that you just actually journaling and thinking about and sitting with your thoughts like that kind of healing
2: and grieving Mm. grieving is an important one because i didn't take time to grieve i was very numb and indifferent throughout the whole pretty much for the whole 2019 i um didn't grieve and I finally just you know sat down for days and just cried a lot and thought about the whole marriage and you know what happened and how it happened and just accepted that as well but yeah journaling helps you sit down with your thoughts you you flesh out what's an irrational thought and what's a logical thought and that thoughts are just sometimes just thoughts Mm. and it's okay to have them yeah it
0: is yeah i actually read this the other day that i think a therapist or something was doing an experiment it was like 10 people in a room like a dark room and i think it was like they pay you a thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars if you can sit in there for five minutes to think sit there and just listen to your own thoughts or you can get out straight away by getting tasered and i think 95 i don't know if it's the right data but 95 5 of people would rather get tasered than to sit there for five minutes and think about no. their own thoughts and i'm just like wow that is crazy That's shocking. yeah, yeah. like they just don't want to sit with their own thoughts which is yeah. i can see why because once you start sitting there like in total silence, and just to think and let your thoughts come through, there are some really nasty things that come out of your mind. Yeah, of course. And to sit through that, it can be challenging if you don't know how to deal with your thoughts.
1: Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. That'd be pretty scary, though, sitting there. Yeah. But I think I'd I'd try and endure it. But it's like five yeah.
0: minutes, but the people don't want to sit there for five minutes to hear their own thoughts that's just crazy
1: i would love to i'd be like let's go mate
0: ten thousand dollars on the line well we'll finish it off with what's the three biggest takeaways that you think you can share with others from what you've
2: learned in mm. this first relationship that you had i think one of them is you know before you enter into anything serious with anyone even just going into the dating world know yourself like have self love have self worth because if you know who yourself are, you you're confident, um, you know you're beautiful, you value yourself. You're not gonna just attract, you know, anyone into your life who's gonna ever take advantage of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought it's incredibly important to know who you are, what your worth is, and love yourself. Yeah,
0: I think that's really, really important. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think be kind to yourself if you're going through a situation where, um, you know, you're going through separation or you're having issues in a marriage, be kind to yourself. Um, you know, the thoughts I had were incredibly critical, incredibly harsh, and hurtful. And you know, if you envision yourself saying that to a friend or a family member, you're like a bully, mm. you're, yeah. you're a mean person. Yeah. So, that itself should apply to. Um, yourself when you're making comments like that be mindful about it yeah yeah Yeah.
0: I heard something as well like if you have these certain thoughts or critical thoughts imagine that you had a child and you saying those things to them like would you say those things and that's how you think you know are you being too critical to yourself which I think is a really good way to put it
2: yeah like even your inner child like how would they feel if you're saying things like you're a failure and you know, you don't deserve love. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah. I think the third thing that I would take away from it is knowing when you, ha- you want to be happy, like know w- what your happiness is. And sometimes that can come off as being selfish. But if you're not happy in a situation um, and you're trying to make everyone else happy, you know, that's not fair on you. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be miserable in the long term. Yeah. So you got to understand what makes you happy first Mm. and put yourself first in that sort of situation before putting others.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And that's something that I had to learn over time too because I think it's just our cultural thing that you have to consider others, your parents mainly and your family and how people view things. So you're always constantly putting others first, which is completely fine too, but you also have to put yourself first as well when you know that you're not happy. You need to think about why that is and not just – Try and do things for other people and just to make yourself look good, that cultural aspect.
2: Yeah, and I feel like that's the same like in the Indian culture is um, that vain show, like that, you know, show that, you know, I have this and I have a, a family and I have a happy life. Mm. But, you know, if you're constantly, you know, putting up that show, how are you going to be happy? You're so tired yeah. as well. It's yeah, exactly. There's just so much energy. It's to, fake. To, yeah. It's all about yeah. face.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. yeah no these are really good i really i think it was really good points for people who might be going through the same thing so we really appreciate yeah. you sharing your no, story because it's yeah. you have to be really courageous to share these kind of things too so yeah thank you for sharing no that's
1: yeah. all good thank, no, thank you for having me what to add to that is you've done really well in terms of
0: yeah i think you've done especially really, really
1: well. where you were right because you're saying your your self-confidence was low you know your self-esteem is just Trash, yeah. and for the fact that you put yourself out there to seek the assistance, yeah, is a massive thing. Most people yeah. don't do that because when you're already in a deep hole, you generally yeah. stay in that deep hole. That's right? right, yeah. And it and it takes a lot to get someone out of there. So I, I you know, I, I commend the fact that you pretty much pulled yourself out of that alone. Especially when you basically didn't talk to any of your friends. Yeah.
0: Yeah. To realise that you do have a problem and that not just realizing that, but to know that you need to do things to make yourself get out of it, like the drinking, the partying, like making yourself yeah. realise that that's not gonna yeah. help. That's yeah. really Huge. good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, really, really proud as a ah. friend. Yeah, <laughs> man. That's yeah. fucking
1: awesome. You're you're a very strong independent woman, right? Oh, so thank you don't you. need no need man. No man. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah.
0: All right. Well, thank you for sharing. And yeah, we'll leave it at that. And let us know if you guys have a similar experience and we'd like to hear that as well.
1: Yeah. Shoot us a a DM if there's any questions or any topics you guys would like us to cover. And once again, please like and subscribe.
0: Bye, guys. See you later.
1: Thank you so much. If you have reached to the end, we really appreciate you for tuning in. And if you like what you hear, please share it with your friends or family, and subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you are listening to.
0: Make sure you share any topics you'd like us to cover or questions you might have to our Instagram. Slide it
1: into our DMs. Bigger,
0: picker, picker. You can also stay in the loop of all the behind the scenes and the release of our new episodes there too. Our Instagram is Ask the Duo Podcast. That's A-S-K-T-H-E-D-U-O-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Man, feels like I'm in a spelling bee competition right now. (laughs) Alright, that's it for now and we'll see you back here for our next episode. Bye! See ya!